Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 189. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com Senior Editor Ben Morris, and I apologize if you just heard my cap closing. Clouds. Super unprofessional. Uh, we are here in the spacious Marvel.com studios. Is that what we call this place? It's actually been done up a little. Yeah. Brian Stevie, video guy extraordinaire, uh, organized everything, so even though it's the same uh, spacious digs... It's a little more organized, so yeah, yeah, organized. It. it isn't so dungeon esque. Yeah, it's a little less dungeon. It's like a nice dungeon now. Yeah, it's like a fungin. Yeah, a fungin. There you go. There's stuff. I just like the fact that there are hooks on the wall with wires. So as well, there should be. So yes, Marvel.com Studios. Here we are, New York, New York. It's a hell of a town. <laughs> this is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and uh, talking about rooms we're in. Yeah, uh, also, a guy on Twitter this morning was like. Hey, uh, I just was in Hell's Kitchen. It was really cool. Now I'm going to go check out Marvel. And then he tweets me a picture of the front of our building. He's like, wait, am I in the wrong place? Why doesn't it say Marvel? And I'm like, because we don't like to advertise. And right. He's like, well, that's really upsetting. Shouldn't you want uh, to like be proud about being Marvel in New York? And I'm like, we don't want people coming to our office Swarming. unsolicited and trying to get into the Much building. as you have... Sir, yeah, um, and he was very nice about it. But at the sure. same time, it's like you got to respect our request for privacy. Well, it's and also security. like most businesses don't have like a big sign in the street. I mean, they could keep in this mind like we're on the blank floor of a blank level building, and we share it with blank other businesses. It'd be kind of weird if like there was a big sign for Marvel out front, yeah, and also these you know many many other places. I mean, one thing, if we were in, like, one of those office parks where, like, you know, it lists, like, every, here's what's at here, here's yeah, yeah. what's at here. But, yeah, no, this is how big business works, kid. Hey. Sorry to crush your dreams. Hey. All right. Uh, we have comics to talk about today. We have news to talk about today. We will kick it to the West Coast, as we always do. And then we will answer your questions. There were a lot of them, although I'm guessing, based on what you just told me before we started, there are deceptively less of them than I thought, maybe. <laughs> but we'll get into that all in good time. No interview today, but I think I will have something next week. Um, I was I meant to mention, bring this up beforehand. Mm-hmm. At some point, maybe not this week, mm-hmm. or in a future episode, we can slot in my interview with Glenn Danzig of Danzig. Oh, wow. Is that not going to be its own standalone It was episode? only like eight or ten minutes, so oh, right. it fits in perfectly in, in one of these. So. so look for Glenn Danzig coming to one of these soon. I think next week I'm going to have uh, – I'm talking to David Marquez later today. Nice. And my intention was – I'm talking to him for an interview, but I was thinking I'll like section off ten minutes of it we can use for the podcast. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, notoriously shy David Marquez. Um, he's not notoriously shy. He's just a dude. Very he's nice. He's, he's wonderful. A, he's a, sweet a nice, guy. sweet dude. So hopefully he will acquiesce. But first, we have some comics to cover, Secret Wars and otherwise. And because one of them starts with a number, we begin there. Yes. 1602, Witch Hunter Angela, number one. I'm going to do it in this this accent the sure. whole time. You can do it. Let's see. It's written by Marguerite Bennett and Karen Gillen. Uh, art by Stephanie Hans and Marguerite Savage. Two stories. As I'm, ar- I'm is, already I'm already over this for yeah. the record. <laughs> uh, as, as is uh, the case with our Angela book, we got two stories going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so we get the prologue and sort of uh, you know main meat of it as we go along uh, by Marguerite uh, Bennett and Stephanie Hans, and then 
the look inside uh, some craziness, the With Further Entertainments by Kieran and Marguerite and Marguerite Savage, uh, which the that section, the one that Marguerite Savage draws, is incredible. It opens it with Windsor Castle in King James, England, uh, which is our 1602 yep. land. Uh, or uh, realm, what are we calling these? Domain. Domain, thank you. Yeah. Um, Each is its own domain unto itself. A domain. Exclamation point. Uh, That's what it says at the beginning of every recap. Page. We open up with 1602 Sinister. That's uh, got to be a Kieran pick. Uh, Sinister oh, yeah. being his favorite character of ever, him and Namor. Totally. Uh, do they call him Sinister or Essex? Essex. Probably. Essex. Yeah. Um, anyway, and him, and then King James turns out to be. James Howlett. Yeah, what? What a twist. Wolverine. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so it's a spoiler right there. Yeah, whatever. We don't usually do those. We don't really do spoilers, but, but this you is just, like you the just second. Did one. This is the fourth page of the book. Okay. It, we've talked about it's it It's not publicly. really the story. Yeah. Uh, but Angela, and she's got, uh, she kills, she has killed a character that I love, and it's great. And I was on a panel at Special Edition with Charles Soule and Marguerite Bennett, and we showed this page. And Charles is like, what is that m- creature? Yeah. And so she, she gave some explanation. It was really funny. Were you, were you panting the whole time? It's uh, like, <laughs> no, I had already read this by that right. time. Uh, but it's great. We get to see. Uh, no, it was more the fact that Charles didn't know who it was. Well, he was. I think he was fishing to get her to talk about it. Interesting. Um, very lawyerly. lawyerly. Yep. Yeah, very lawyerly. Um, and we get to see. Leading the witness. Uh, yeah. Angela with. Um, Sarah. Sarah, and they are witch breed hunters in here. Uh, witch breed. Witch breed. Yeah. Witch breed being mutants. Witch breed sounds like a 80s grunge metal if band. It, like a 80s grunge metal? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it would it's be... a new genre I just invented. <laughs> it was right on the cusp of the 90s. It was like 89 in the Seattle scene. Witch breed was uh, paving the way for Nirvana, kind of phasing out of the... the yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, grunge... Was really starting mm-hmm. then. That's no, fun. it's real. Uh, anyway, we go uh, with this great scene where Angela and Sarah are, you know, taking out the trash, as it were, and uh, dealing with that. Then we flip over to the Mermaid Tavern in good old London town, and we get to see tons more 1602 versions of characters. There's uh, lots of fun storytelling going on here, uh, great twists on. You know, the Angela mythos, all the, the different characters and the relationships here. Uh, we get to see uh, Bucky Barnes, 1602, uh, come into play. So handsome. So handsome. As every every character notes on multiple <laughs> occasions. I mean, look at him. Uh, Billy Shakespeare, yeah. I believe, puts in an Billy appearance. Billy Shakes. As Billy Shakes. Yep. Always love seeing Billy Shakes on the comic book page. Totally. Uh, but just lots of super fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, you know, them playing with the 1602 of it all. And then, you know, who's behind a whole bunch of things uh, shows up right at the end. And yep. it's, it's super fun. I love and, this. And the fun tongue-in-cheek fact about this book that Karen and Margarita both talked about is the fact that Neil Gaiman has created, like he has like two major creations basically in the Marvel Universe. He created 1602 and his creation Angela is in the Marvel Universe. So they liked kind of the uh, the fun tongue-in-cheekedness of putting one Neil Gaiman creation in another Neil Gaiman setting, even though the two have on the surface very little to do with one another. Yeah. That was kind of the impetus of this book. Ah, that's cool. And uh, the preview for the cover for next issue is it's so hot. great. It's hot. So great. It's good I stuff. I want that as a poster. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Uh, again, the beauty of Secret Wars, getting to explore these worlds that we haven't seen in so long. 
On the other side of Secret Wars, we have a Last Days tie-in, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number 9, final issue of this book, written by Al Ewing, art by Luke Ross, colors by Rachel Rosenberg. Um, this does what Al's Mighty Avengers book has done so well from the start, and that gives us the view on the street of what's going on in the Marvel Universe, and it's particularly potent here because it's the end of the world. And when it comes to end of the world stories, what I'm always interested in is what is the average person, like how do they deal with this? Because, you know, even a Luke Cage can go out and be like, all right, I'm going with the Avengers. We're going to fight the ultimate universe. We're going to do something. But guys like Dave, who works for him, just has to basically like sit there and wait, wait for it to come. So this is a book about what do you do when you're waiting for the end of the world to come? There is super stuff. I said we get some really great Luke, Jessica, family moments that got to set something else up in the future. Um, it's too harsh a tease, if not. Um, we get a Monica Rambo stuff where she basically tries to destroy the Ultimate Universe. That was fun. We get She-Hulk doing her thing. But really, the, the meat of this issue is the scenes in the Mighty Avengers hotline with Dave and Soraya, um, the two you know volunteer members of the Mighty Avengers, deciding, like, all right, should we go see our families? Like, what should we do? Or do we just stay here and help people till the end? Because there are still people calling. And, man, uh, it's it's a really – it's about four pages of just really touching, heart-wrenching stuff. And then you head back to the battlefield. A nice goodbye to Luke and Jessica, which really feels like a goodbye. Same with Kalu and White Tiger and Power Man and Blue Marvel. All cast gets their moments. And then it ends with – just this amazing three pages of this this guy i'm not even gonna say who he is addressing you like you the person reading the book and i i'm sorry to be cliche but i don't want to spoil it it's such an amazing like this is the perfect farewell to the marvel universe we've had all these last days books and we've had secret wars and all this stuff where the marvel universe gets destroyed but if you're someone who has read and loved the marvel universe for years like we have I think these last three pages of uh, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers may be the best kind of like tribute to all the stuff we've loved so far. And there's a really nice note. Oh, four pages, sorry. And then there's a really nice note from uh, Al about getting to do Mighty Avengers and Cap and the Mighty Avengers and what's coming next in Secret Wars. Just a really heartfelt, touching book. You get your action in the middle, too. There's uh, plenty of punchy kicky, but really... The, the feels are what draws it here. Yeah, I found it very affecting, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I was like, the, it was it was a very intense, very good emotionally charged issue, and they nailed it. Uh, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps is another Secret Wars book this week. Uh, it's written by Kelly Sudakonic and Kelly Thompson, art by David Lopez, and uh, it follows Captain Marvel and the Banshee Squadron in the Hollowfield domain of, ho- I was waiting for it. Uh, in the Hallfield domain of Battleworld. Uh, they are a fighter squadron led by Carol, who, uh, you know, they do drills, they, they battle the undead hordes, they battle the Ultrons, they battle whatever needs to get battled, uh, and they're awesome at what they do. Uh, but in the midst of doing some training, they see, like, uh, they hear about an attack coming into their area, and then just a squadron, a ton of Thors, Come to lay the smack down. Uh, and so Carol's like, whoa, hold up, back up, let's see what, you know, what's going on here. Uh, and then she runs into one of the Thors, who is Kit. Uh, Kit, if you've been reading uh, Captain Marvel, 
and you know, as the the little girl, is sidekick to uh, to Carol on Earth, and she's a great character. Here she is a Thor, which is friggin' great. I was so it happy. It was really cool. It was a nice reveal. It was terrific. Uh, but something is sticking in uh, the craw of the Banshee Squadron in in Carol's craw. Something is up. Something's not right. Uh, everybody has different opinions of you know what it all means, what why they feel this way, what they need to do. Carol being Carol, she's sort of she's establishment, but also anti-establishment, which I think is yeah, always one of the neat, great things it's about her. It's a neat dynamic. Um, and so here she's just something fishy. Uh, she's go and she notices something as they they're taking a call. Got to take down some some no good nicks, and something is off. She uh, follows her instincts as best she can, which leads to some really great stuff and a big mystery for uh, what it all means and how it all ties into everything else going on. Yeah. Over in uh, another part of Battleworld, no, just kidding. This is uh, Dark Tower, <laughs> the drawing of three, House of Cards, number four, not connected to Battleworld, not collected to the Netflix series uh, House of Cards, which I just finished the third season of. You ever watch that show? I haven't watched it yet. I mean to, but... I'll be honest, I don't know if you'd enjoy it. Really? No, wait. Do you like The West Wing? Yeah. You did, right? I love you were like, the West Wing. You were the one who recommended it to me. All right, then you should watch it. Son of a bitch. No, uh, no. I was like, if you like that, I think you you would dig House of Cards. You should definitely watch it. Um, this House of Cards is about the Dark Tower. It is about Eddie Dean. It's about his origin. It is written by Peter David and Robin Firth. And it's drawn by Piotr Kowalski, who I'm glad has this regular Dark Tower gig. But after his Marvel Knights Hulk work, I... I'm kind of looking forward to the day we get him back on a uh, another Marvel book. Although I know these Dark Tower books tend to kind of once you're in, like it's like the mob, like you're in for life, yeah. you never get out. But anyways, if you're a Dark Tower fan, check this out. Mm. All right, we've sorry. I'm texting with one of our friends while we while we do this. Uh oh, is everything okay? Everything's fine. It's I, I can't talk about it on the air. I'll tell you about it off the air. Isn't that mysterious, guys? Ooh. You'll never know. Uh, all right. It's a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Ghost Racers, number one, uh, written by Felipe Smith, uh, writer of the most recent uh, all-new Ghost Rider series, and drawn by Juan Gadeon, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, which is a terrific That's name. That's a great name. Bonvillain. Where have they been hiding? Oh, man. Yeah. The art on this is phenomenal. Great Super stuff. good. Yeah. Uh, Panicia, Mark Panicia, the editor of this. I don't, I'm just calling Panicia. Uh Ghost Rider and Ghost Racers is like a huge passion project for him and same for Felipe Smith the writer and I know um, the art has been a big part of the book and like getting kind of not just the average person you see on a Marvel book is very important to them they like it having a distinct look so one Gideon who I don't think has done anything for us before has definitely done other things just like Felipe did just like uh, Trad Moore did who originally worked on Ghost Rider so there's, there's a pedigree there. Yes. Uh, so this is set, uh, most of the story is set in the Coliseum, which we've seen before. Yep. Uh, arcade. Yes. Arcade runs the Coliseum, so we saw it in Planet Hulk. Uh, we saw it in, you know, a couple of the anthology books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, Battle World's Entertainment Center on the earth's outskirts of Doomstadt. Uh, and so think of it like, you know, a giant stadium where all kinds of events are held. Uh, sometimes you have gladi- gladiatorial Battles. Uh, this one we have the race, the giant, crazy, violent death race between all the spirits of ignition, which we talked about. Another previous, uh, I think we were talking about, um, was it 
Adelan Rising, I think, uh, where we meant we first heard yeah. the term Spirits of Ignition. The G, yeah, with uh, Undead G-Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here, you know, you've got different versions of Ghost Rider. You've got Robbie Reyes, Alejandra Blaze, which was from three years ago. It was I the I know it was the Rob Williams. I was about to yeah. say Robbie Williams. The uh, <laughs> Rob Williams Ghost Rider series. Yeah. yeah, we've got Johnny Blaze. We got Danny Ketch and Carter Slade, the old school uh, bit here. Just amazing designs, particularly I love Carter Slade. Right. He's, you know, he's a half man, half horse with Gatling guns on the side, and he's a Because that would be a ghost. centaur, right? But he's not quite. I mean, what constitutes he, a centaur? Uh, having, Do you have a horse head still, I guess? Uh, no, having, like, cool hair and stuff. Yeah. And we like, have a centaur in another book this week, so fortunately we can continue this conversation. <laughs> uh, Marvel, anyway, giving you everything you want. All the centaurs you, you know? could hope for. Um so they have to race and fight, and, you know, it's just terrific. And Robbie is just the favorite. He wins yeah. every single race. the flavor race. of the moment. Uh, and it pisses Danny Ketch off. It pisses Johnny Blaze. It pisses everybody off. It pisses off. Danny Ketch off more than anyone. Danny yeah. Ketch is really angry. He's super angry. I, You know, I kind of like that, though, because if there's a Ghost Rider hierarchy, whether it's on Battleworld in the Marvel Universe, I like that. We found a place for Danny Ketch. He's just like pissed off younger brother, and he's like the embodiment of the '90s. Yeah. Um, whereas Johnny Blaze is kind of like the uh, the sage, older like, let me mentor you in the ways of the Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. and then Danny Ketch is just like, oh, <laughs> emotion. Uh, but we we get to see Gabe. Who so glad Gabe I was is in this. So happy yeah. that Gabe was in this. Uh, you know, supporting character in uh, only Ghost Rider. Uh, we get to see some of Robbie's greatest hits, some previous battles, but then the mystery deepens into uh, what happens to all these characters after the races mm. uh, as to what is really going on with Arcade, with uh, who he's talking to, who he's dealing with, who he answers to. Doom. But yeah. uh, it's Doom, guys. More than that. It's uh, always Doom. There, there's a lot going on here, and it's super fun. Yeah. I found it like. In that, I think they were going for that cool, gritty, grindhousey type thing, and yeah. I totally you get dug that it. right from the cover. Too. You know, like that just fast cars, violent, insane, uh, a lot of cool mystery, and like I could see this being like a movie or a yeah. t- or or a cartoon or something where just these awesome uh, car chases. Yeah, and the after the last page, Juan uh, Gideon and I were talking about the design you were talking about, uh, yeah. Carter Slate, he, he breaks down how he came up with it, which is also really cool. A lot of cool back matter in a lot of these Secret Wars books. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Secret Wars, we got a couple more. Inferno number two, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Javier Garon, colors by Chris Sotomayor. We were introduced to this modified Inferno world last issue where Colossus and his team once a year going to Manhattan, which is now like a demon kingdom overrun, to try to save Ilyana, who doesn't really want to be saved. She is the Dark Child. Uh, Colossus forms an alliance with the Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor, with Havoc, and he's going to try to use their resources to advantage. But let's not even beat around the bush. The highlight of this book is the introduction of this world's version of Cable. Like eight year old hasn't been shunted to the future, but has still got the the techno virus for techno some reason. Like every, oh, I love him, and he's just a petulant child. And the way we meet him is him and Domino interacting. Who on this world is Klaus's girlfriend, and him saying to Domino, "You're pretty." Which, if you're familiar with the characters, the history of these characters, is so creepy because he's a little kid and she's a full grown woman. But yeah, 
uh, adolescent cable who still has a white streak in his hair, still has the techno-organic things, still has a huge gun. I will also say it's not not creepy in regular Marvel continuity because he's an older dude. Sure, he's and older. And she's much younger. Right. Um, I guess... That's all I'm saying. Well, what I'm saying, though, is... I have I, I can understand like an older man or an older gentle lady uh, and they're still in a relationship with another consenting adult. Anytime you throw a kid into the mix as one half of the relationship dynamic, that throws it for me. Sure. More than an old person does. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, Eliana does something terrible to Nightcrawler. It's pretty gruesome. Colossus is trying to prove to Madeline's armies that... He deserves their support and that they can do this together. Uh, it's just a big, fun, goofy story, not unlike the original Inferno. It's very key. I mean, it's different. It's not one-for-one one comparison. Dennis Hopeless has definitely jumped off and created his own world. But it's so in the spirit of the original story that I kind of dig that. I really I respect that Dennis did that. I think he did a really nice job. Can we... Is Dark Child naked? Let's take a look. I mean... I mean, we don't show her from the bottom down here. It's very strategic. You definitely see, I mean, what is she She's wearing? covered in demon skin. So the question there is, do we consider demon skin a leather, uh, um, a level of clothing? Because if we don't, no, she is definitely nude. Bit, I mean, like, you can't see her. Her naughty bits are non-existent. So, I yeah. I guess it's, uh, yeah. I mean, look at it this way. Is Nastrith wearing clothes? No, he's... And so that that was going to be my point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like of... Like, none of the demons... A, a lot of the demons are, are, are nude. There's a lot of, you know, like, Colossus, no shirt. Yep. Doesn't need a shirt. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, he but, has but, pants on. Uh, Goblin Queen, you know, she's, like, barely clothed. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, hey, let's just... Dude, that like, was in Inferno, this world, though. this is just how we roll. I mean, you remember the original Inferno. By the end of it, like, the X-Men's costumes were so shredded up. Like, Havoc was wearing, like, a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Storm was all like screwed. That was crazy. Also, a little tidbit I noticed just because I flipped this page is that Nightcrawler, they're talking about um, mm. Nightcrawler's faith, and he says, I am a child of doom. I have a soul. It's interesting. Yeah. Because doom is God here. Love it. All right. Flipping over to Inhumans, Adeline Rising, which Ryan mentioned earlier, written by Charles Soule, art by John Timms, inks by Roberto Poggi, and colors by Frank Diarmada. So we get to know Black Bolt in this issue. Uh, we get to know the Quiet Room, which we have seen briefly in other Battleworld uh, books. We have seen that it's a place where anyone from any domain can sit down, have a bite to eat, have something to drink, and talk. It is a ceasefire zone. Black Bolt in this world is this charming bartender. I love his redesign, where his awesome classic costume has been turned into formal wear. Uh, he's chatting up Oron, who we saw in... Uh, Charles's Inhuman series. He uses a lot of these characters here, Frank McGee. And she is sussing out the situation for Medusa. Little do we know that there's another character here, and that is Kamala Khan. We meet the Inhumans Adeline Rising version of Kamala Khan. Seems a little bit older to me. Seems a little bit older for sure. Definitely a little bit uh, more experienced, yeah, yeah. to be sure. Uh, she's she's kind of a badass, which is cool to see. Um and we get to the bottom a little bit of what Black Bolt's up to, what his uh, voice unheard, I think that's what it's called, yep. his group is doing. Uh, they're trying to do the right thing across Battle World, but the Inhumans under Medusa have a very different idea of that is. So, I mean, this book is going to be 
Black Bolt versus Medusa, which is cool. We've seen it in the we've seen it in the Marvel Universe, but we're seeing it in a whole new way on Battleworld. And they are going to have a confrontation on New Mars. So this is also neat because we get to see other domains. We get to jump around and things that maybe don't get their own book will get a little uh, little shine here in Adeline Rising. Also, I love the choir room. I think it's such choir a cool room's great. thing. It's a cool idea. So great. I, Black Bolt having a bar is a great idea. Oh, man. Why not? You know? Yeah. He's a great listener. Yeah. Totally. Because he can't talk, guys. Oh. Yeah. Uh, on to Kanan, The Last Padawan, our Star Wars book for the week uh, that's written by Greg Weissman. Art by Pepe Larraz, colors by David Curiel, um, and this follows uh, our boy Kanan, Kanan, Kanan. Is that his name? Does he have another name? His name is Caleb. Caleb. Well, he's Caleb, Caleb Doom. Doom. He'll become Kanan. He's a Padawan here, right. and he's he, trying to the escape. last Padawan, in fact. Yes, uh, he's trying to escape the uh, the newly formed, I guess, Empire. Uh, they're coming after him because he is the last Padawan, mm-hmm. and he's going back and forth, hyperspace, trying to escape. Uh, he gets himself right back where he started. And uh, fortunately for him, he doesn't get killed. He's able to sort of live on the streets, find his way, uh, does his thing, makes an ally, but has to change pretty much everything about himself. Mm. Has to find a way to survive in a play, in a new galaxy that just does not want him. No. Uh, so it, it's a cool, cool story. Uh, and right at the end, something that I felt was gonna was gonna happen happened, and I was like, yeah. That, you're Don't so trust s- anyone. DTA. You're so smart. I know. So smart. Yeah. All right. Uh, for the kiddies, or just if you enjoy a good story, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble, Season 2, Number 8. Joe Caramagna adapts the episode Head to Head, written by Michael Ryan, directed by Phil Pignotti. It's all about the Avengers getting their minds swapped into different bodies. So a classic cartoon staple, which we all love. Um, and in a complete 180 from that, back to Secret Wars for Marvel Zombies Number 1. Written by Cy Spurrier, artist Kev Walker, colors by Frank Diarmada. Uh, I love that the overall arc is called Journey into Misery. Yes. So this book was, we both said it before the show, this book was great. Um, for a lot of reasons. Elsa Bloodstone's the primary one. Uh, Cy Spurrier, one of our favorite writers. A, a This Week in Marvel favorite. I think it's fair to venture. Oh, yeah. Um, him writing Elsa Bloodstone is such a perfect pairing. She is perfect to give voice to his, like, kind of rambling. The way if you've ever talked to Sai, if you've ever done an interview with him or read anything with him, he will never give you, like, a sentence answer. He will give you three pages. And Elsa's just like, but it's all, but it's always just kind of like, mm, like, harumph. Um, but also well-meaning. And she's a perfect conduit for his snark, for his sense of humor, and for his just... I have no patience here. She's like Dr. Nemesis or any of the other or Legion, any other great characters he's written. So premise is Elsa Bloodstone is basically the leader of the people on the shield. We have heard the shield referred to many times in these Secret Wars books. You get sent to the shield if you break the law, if you do something wrong. What is the shield? Well, it's the border between the rest of the battle world and the Deadlands, which is where the Marvel zombies live. So Elsa's job is to take people like poor Stryker from Avengers Academy here and try to lead them into keeping the zombies out. She is battle-hardened. She has no patience. She doesn't like when people spill her tea. 
and she is just her whole life is fighting zombies. She is in the most badass way. I think is this is Zazel who she the Red Terror. It's the is Red Terror. Called, yeah, I, I, it's a teleporting would... red demon zombie. Yeah. So maybe, but anyways, Elsa's fighting him, and everything seems to be going fine. But he's a teleporter, and all of a sudden, he teleports her to like the other side of the Deadlands. Yeah. So now she finds herself, first of all, about to get eaten by this like mangled little bit remaining of Doctor Octopus. But, I love his dialogue right there. Superior. I was so into that. And then there's this little kid with her. She has no idea who it is. She hates the kid. (laughs) He's like crying. She's like, there's no time for crying. And I think what is great is like on its surface, it's it's super funny, super Mm -hmm, snarky. mm -hmm. She's so mean, blah, blah, blah. But Sai does, Sai and Kev do such a great job peeling back the layers and getting into the psychology of who she is, what made her, you know, the way she is. Right. Well, we have many flashbacks to her growing up, and we've seen this in other books, but her growing up with Ulysses Bloodstone as her dad and him just basically, like, what was that book where she got, I mean, it was Next Wave, where she got, like, thrown into the pit of monsters. So it's following up on that, where he's just Ulysses Bloodstone is the worst dad. He's the worst. I mean, every 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 year around Father's Day, we get people being like, all right, what kind of cool thing can we do for Father's Day? It's like, most of the dads are super jerks. They're terrible. But yeah, Ulysses Bloodstone's right up there. I mean, give him a pass in the sense that he's kind of like, not a pass so much as a, I understand what he's doing is like, he's like, the world needs me or some substitute of me. You're my daughter. My sons are all failures. I need to basically be really harsh with you so you're going to be able to do this job. Um, but he's just very cold. And you can see that reflected right back in her dynamic dynamic with this kid who doesn't get a name except from her called Shut Up. So his name is <laughs> Shut Up, um, which gives you a sense of what's going on here. So, yeah, we've got Elsa dragging the kid across this world, kind of slowly morphing from this one-dimensional, just like badass action chick who's, you know, shooting her guns and making side remarks to wow, she's got feelings, and this is hard, and her life is really hard, and the stuff with her dad. And then meanwhile, just like every once in a while, like zombie juggernaut will show up and talk about how he's got no lips. Ugh. So he's got to scramble up people like eggs. So it's like, it's this awful, disgusting horror movie with, you know, the the snarky humor, the black humor, great art by Kev Walker. Kev Walker, is, of course, specializes in drawing basically like shambling ugly characters so he's a perfect pick for this and i want to know what shut up's deal is we don't know who he is i want to know how the hell they're going to get back to the shield because that looks pretty plain possible i was bamboozled by how much i loved uh this first issue of marvel zombies i shouldn't have been because it's sigh and sigh's great but uh, i was exceeded my expectations agreed all right on to uh max ride first flight Number three, written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Alex Sanchez, Mark Pennington, and Esther Sanz. Uh, So we know that Max is in a cage. She's uh, been separated from some of the flock. uh, And uh, in here she wakes up. She finds out, okay, I'm not necessarily alone. We can break out. You know, the flock comes to her aid. But uh, these nasty wolf dudes, uh, which are called... They have... uh, Mm. The erasers, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, they're just gross and they're mean and there's just this rivalry going on because, you know, they've not been the chosens 
like the flock have. Uh, but we get some really great backstory into all the characters here, into what's going on. And really, like, the big mystery, uh, the doctor who has been messing with them uh, has this big line, and it's like, wait a minute. Is Max doing the right thing? Yeah. But it's hard to say because she's been messed with so horribly. Also, they thought he was... Like their father figure, they yeah. also thought he was dead. Yeah, and now so he's there's alive. a lot going on. Yeah, totally a lot going on. This is Deadpool and the Howling Commandos number one. Which for a second, I just want to admire this beautiful cover that Riley Brown did. Uh, he draws the best Shikla ever. He created her, so it makes sense. But just some awesome monsters and the logo. I don't know who did the logo, but the idea of just taking the Deadpool logo and putting two little hearts as the um, as the holes in the O's is great because yeah. He loves her, so obviously that's it. Anyways, in uh, the world that we know, Deadpool and Dracula fought over Shikla. Deadpool took Dracula out. Him and Shikla got married. In Battle World, Dracula won. He killed Deadpool, which fortunately does not prevent Deadpool from still being the narrator of the rest of this book. <laughs> oh, great. Great narrator. But so we end up with basically Shikla, reluctant bride of Dracula, trying to undo... The terrible stuff he's doing from within. So she is trying to undermine Dracula at every turn. Unfortunately, Dracula has his goon squad, which are the Howling Commandos, which consists of Werewolf by Night, Living Mummy, Frankenstein, Man-Thing, and the aforementioned Marcus the Minotaur with a symbiote, first seen in Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet. And they also have another member to begin, the Invisible Man, but he meets kind of a unfortunate end. Um, so you've got these monsters who work for Dracula to basically keep everything in line. I like the dynamic they have with Shikla, where Shikla's just kind of like, they can't kill her because she's Dracula's wife, but at the same time, she's just like constantly undermining them. It reminded me of a sitcom almost, where she's like getting up to hijinks. Uh, she turns them to stone at one point. She turns into a demon and kicks them around. Their interactions are just funny. And then what sets off the uh, the bulk of the plot is that Shikla discovers a secret about Dracula, and now she knows if she can go out into the world, she can potentially find the key to overthrowing Dracula. Uh, but Dracula, as a caveat, says, okay, if you're going to go off on this quest, which he probably in the back of his mind knows could be his undoing, he's like, you're going to take the Howling Commandos with you. So now we've got this dynamic of basically like Indiana Jones, Shikla, and all the Howling Commandos, and they're going to try to stop her. And maybe try to uh, make sure she doesn't come back in this journey. Dun, dun, dun. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Deadpool's very funny narrating. Obviously, Jerry played a part of that. I don't think I said the creative team, which is Jerry Duggan and Selva Aspen, uh, but they did a great job. And it's uh, it's what you want from a book called Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos. Oh, 100%. All right, we've got some Secret Wars action coming up with Secret Wars 2099, number two. Uh, as the cover would show you, we've got 2099 Hulk up in this, uh, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Antonio Fabella. Uh, we get to see the deeper mystery, or the mystery deepen as to what is going on with 2099 Captain America. She's got this two-personality thing, and it's not just uh, the uh, core Avengers who are a part of this. Her husband is in on this. Dun-dun-dun! Uh, but she is obviously very much a pawn in uh, a number of things. But we've got Hercules throwing stuff around. Uh, we've got uh, the team galvanized to go after Hulk. But then we get to see the introduction of a 2099 super team. I don't believe we've seen Never. It before. Never. In all my years of reading 2099. All those years. Yeah. 
All right, we've got Secret Wars Journal, uh, one of our anthology books. Two stories up in here. The Hunt by Kevin Maurer and Corey Smith and Jesus Abertov. Mm -hmm. And Hell's Kitchen by Cy Spurrier. Cy Spurrier pulling Dubber Duty. Dubber Duty? Dubber Duty. Dubber Duty. It's another great one, too. Uh, Cy Spurrier with art by Jonathan Marks and Miroslav Merva. Uh, the first story, The Hunt, is set in Killville, my favorite uh, You love Killville. Uh, Except we don't see uh, your boy here. You know what? He's okay. omnipresent. He's I, around. I feel him. He's around. I feel him. Yeah. So it's cool. It's the conceit is that uh, it's the hunt. Craven is set uh, set this hunt in motion. He has a coin. Whoever gets it gets like this special prize. Uh, so the coin has been bouncing from you know Killville resident to resident, and they're all you know I can't say anyone's good or bad. They're all in Killville, and they're all you know sort of shades of gray. Some darker than others. Uh, but we get Boom Boom uh, right off the bat fighting Misty Knight and that is Paladin. That's not Boom Boom. That's not Boom Boom? Bombshell. Bombshell, sorry. Different character. Yes, yes. Uh, Bombshell fighting Misty Knight and Paladin because they, they all want the coin. They all want the riches, the good stuff. And then it just like goes into craziness as they go to a you know Craven's Casino trying to cash in. Tons of characters involved. Uh, I love... A rhino mm. here. Yeah, the it, version of rhino here is tremendous. Yeah, he's got a like a gold chain around his neck. There's all kinds of fun stuff. Vultures in here. We've got Ultron's tarantula, mm -hmm. which made me super happy to see show up in this. Uh, just craziness and the the reveal of what's going on was terrific. Also, any story with Misty Knight makes me happy. Yeah, this is a great character. Yeah. This second story though, man. Oh, Cy Spurrier is having a week. Oh. Yeah, so Hell's Kitchen uh, by Cy Spurrier and crew is uh, about Elektra and Daredevil, mm -hmm. really. And it's set in um, the bar Sinister. Mm -hmm. uh, Which we saw in the main Secret Wars mm -hmm. title. Sinister's domain, and, you know, he's, he's got his cloney powers and all this stuff. But uh, Matt Murdock here is a master chef. Elektra is a mute ass assassin, dancer, dancer yeah. servant thing and i don't want to give anything away because you know we don't yeah, do spoilers this, this, this here this is one i think you just got to read yeah it, but it is it's beautiful horrific it's sad and it's it's heavy yeah. but you know that's what side does he does the heavy he does. Really well. all right silk number five written by robbie thompson art by stacy lee colors by ian herring so silk has been going on and off with this weird like dragon guy who she's fought a couple times but also teamed up with a couple times and when she last left and basically said like hey I'm going to make sure your daughter's safe. Bad news, his daughter got kidnapped by the Black Cat, who's been trying to mess with Silk. So Silk calls in reinforcements in the form of Spider-Man, and the three of them go to try to get this guy's daughter back. Uh, where it ends for Silk, after a battle with the Black Cat, is her on an operating table uh, with somebody who knows more about her past than she potentially does. But the cool thing, the thing I really like in this book is in her civilian identity is Cindy Moon. She works at the Fact Channel, and she's starting to have a relationship with J. Jonah Jameson. And their dynamic is pretty cool because he's, you know, pretty J. Jonah Jameson to her. And then when he finds out that she's lost her family and she just blurts it out, suddenly a different dynamic starts to take shape. And I love it because it's not – nothing is said there, but, mm -hmm. like, you know Jonah's had that loss. Yeah, yeah. That epic loss, and there's something there. Yeah. That's great. For sure. Over to Silver Surfer, number 12, written by Dan Slott, art by Mike Allred, colors by Laura Allred. This is just a consistently month in, month out, just smart book, touching book, everything you want to get from here. Like, you're going to get great art. 
you're gonna get just beautiful stuff by the Allreds. Dan Slot is like working his friggin' noodle here, just trying to think of like clever twists, like that Mobius strip thing, um, and also really hammering home the emotional stuff to a level we maybe have never seen. I mean, Silver Surfer was always kind of like gnashing his teeth and swinging his fists at the air, but we've never seen him have this level of connection with Don Greenwood. Great character, just one of the best characters in Brown in a while. So. They got the Galactus survivors to this, basically this paradise planet. And now the story is that uh, Surfer was going to take Dawn back to Earth, but they've kind of settled down. They're hanging out here for a while. They've got this very mundane life going. And it seems like everyone on the planet has this very mundane but happy life. At the center of it, we're kind of getting the progression of Dawn and Surfer's relationship. I mean, this is like a great slow burn, you know, romantic comedy or sitcom or anything where like you just want these two characters to get together i like the little touches like the fact that dawn's hair has grown out and it's longer i love the way they've portrayed like the passage of time yeah and the way dawn and noran look she's also just like alder just draws such pretty girls and it's not like the comic book like oh super sexy stuff they they just look they're just pretty there's an elegance to his his comic yeah and uh so well there's an underlying mystery of like what is up with this planet and why is everyone kind of settling into this pattern there's also uh well now that they have a moment to themselves and they're having nice talks like what is up with with don and norin and how do they feel about each other and how does don feel about his past uh how does norin feel about you know being involved with an earth girl so this story is the backdrop for what's going on there uh there's some weird trippy hallucinogenic stuff you do eventually find out what the deal is with the planet and I won't say that, but I will say that the final page, this beautiful splash page, it would be a great poster, um, gives us something. If you've been reading this book, you've probably wanted it since you read issue number one, or at least issue number two. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And I'm really excited that the next issue, they're going to go into the last days because I'm really curious to see how Slot and company tackle um, the Secret Wars. And I also love that this cover they're showing there is a twist that was not on the initial preview which is very cool so great yeah all right on to spider gwen number five i gotta say when i was at special edition this Mm -hmm. past weekend the line for jason latour and robbie rodriguez was the longest line for anyone at the convention spider gwen is a sensation that is hard to describe how quickly and how deeply this character in this series just hit and people Love it. Rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Jason Latour is writer. Robbie Rodriguez is the artist. Rico Renzi is on colors. Uh, and it's, you know, this one is a lot of stuff with Felicia Hardy, and uh, who is the black cat. We get to see her origin, who she is. I There's this whole thing with, like, these little French black cats because hmm. she's French, and we find yes. out a lot about her in this universe. Um, there's Is she French? Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. That's why she was speaking French. Yes. I don't know if she was maybe raised. The Avengers she was, she was just like raised there or something, which I guess would make her French. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's how you become something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there's all this stuff. There's a rivalry between uh, the Mary Janes, particularly MJ, and uh, Felicia. Uh, you've got these cool, you know, uh, the, the black cats uh, are just fantastic. I love the design. love the way they look. Uh, some fighting, some dancing, some singing, some all kinds of stuff. And then Matt Murdock, who is kind of like Wesley yeah. in this universe. You know, if you watch the TV show, nice if you read twist. The, uh, the 
the, the born again born again stuff that we just read um he's got that vibe uh the hand shows up all kinds of craziness uh mystery of who killed who and who did what uh and then uh flips back over to captain stacy to spider uh woman's dad and some interesting stuff mm-hmm. shaking out there and this is the last issue it's the last Renee? issue of Spider Gwen. Yeah. See your we'll wars, see man. More. We'll see more see, of her. Well, we'll see more of her right now. Yeah. In Spider Verse number two, because she's right there on the cover. Uh, it's written by Mike Costa. Art is by Andra, Andre Arojo and Rochelle Rosenberg, two of our favorites. Um, it starts right off with Spider Gwen is in Norman Osborne's secret lab in yet another domain of Battleworld, where this poor naked pig. We know his spider ham, but who has been stripped of his costume. It's being experimented on. Spider-Gwen pulls off the rescue. She gets Spider-Ham out of there. Meanwhile, in another part of this domain, Spider-Man India, Spider-UK, and Anya Corazon, Spider-Girl, are also trying to search for answers. None of them know why they're there. None of them have a history in this universe. For some reason, they're just all in this place. And that leads them down to the docks, uh, where they detect another person like them, um, and they meet up with versions of carnage and tombstone and then the big uh the big debut or the big drop in this issue is spider-man noir who mike costa just writes hilarious dialogue for so now we've got this core team of spiders and they are going to go up against a new sinister six and try to figure out what the heck's going on why are they here what's happening what is the deal what's the deal uh we've got ultimate end number two written by brian michael bendis Art by Mark Bagley, Drew Hennessy, and Justin Ponsor. And so we've got uh, the Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe. Manhattan's laid upon each other. They are trying to coexist. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Uh, and they're the, the heroes from both realms are trying to, like, they're talking it out. And then the Thors show up. And the Thors show up <sighs> and they're like, stop. Stop yeah. what you're doing. Just stop. And they're like, well, we want to stop. And then Hawkeye just... You know, flaps them gums. Well, Brian Bennis gets to do one of his favorite things. Kill a hawk. Kill a hawk. Yeah. Always good. And like, mm, dead. Toasted. Yeah. You, you ain't Roasted. Coming back from that, Hawkeye. Uh, but we've got great stuff as, you know, the. you could see that Brian and everybody are having fun here. Like, the, the Tonys are talking. Yeah, knowing this is their chance to do this stuff they probably wanted to do for years. Yeah. Uh, Tonys are talking. We get to see... Um, Peter from the Marvel Universe talked to uh, Aunt May and Gwen from the Ultimate Universe. It sounded like a nice uh, meal with them. Yeah, and they're they're freaked out. He's kind of freaked out. It's wonderful. It's very uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, And it all then comes to a head in uh, the raft, prison Mm -hmm. stuff going on as Hulks are just fighting. There's just Mm -hmm. one Hulk fighting another Hulk, and Frank Castle's there. Everything goes pear-shaped. I do love... Uh, Ultimate Universe Nick Fury yep. and Maria Hill, uh, Marvel Universe Maria Hill, just talking. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. I, I want more of that, yep. the two of them. And, you, and you'll probably get more of it. Probably will. All right. Last book of the week is Weird, Wor- Weird World number one. Tough to say. Fun it to is, say. It is. Uh, written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Del Mundo, colors by Mike and Marco D'Alfonso. Uh, it is bananas, bonkers, <laughs> crazy, and I love it to death. Hmm. Uh, we've got Archon, right? Yep. Like, I, he's an established character. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Very established. Yeah. Talk to Jim Beard about that. Heard a whole article about him. Oh, boy. Uh, Archon is just, we open up on this warrior king fighting giant squid sharks. He's looking for Polamachus, which That's is page his one, guys. That's page one. He is 
tearing it up. It's bloody. It's violent. It's amazing sword and sorcery craziness. And then we pan out and we see Weird World is super weird. Yeah. Like, as the name implies. Really weird. Uh, and he is so, like, then it gets into the emotional craziness of Archon is bummed. He wa- he just wants to go back to his kingdom, to his people. He doesn't know where that is. Mm-hmm. He's lost. But he's made this map. I love this graphic. This The map of Weird World that uh, Archon has made, it's just terrific. You guys should pour over it when you read the issue. But so many fun, like, cool little Easter eggs in there. And then he's like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to end it. And then he goes and he sees a big old dragon being chased by uh, these, like, goblin dudes. What are they? I don't even know, man. Yeah, the ogres. They're ogres. Uh, These messed up ogres, and they've got guns, and there's just battles. And I just want this dragon to be, like, his thing. Like, I want Mm. him to run around with this dragon all the time. Uh, We get to see lots more of Weird World. We get to see... Um, the mystery deepening of like what everything in, entails for him and what he's in store for because it's just probably going to get worse for him. Uh, and then a big reveal right at the end of who's in charge of uh, this section of Weird World. Uh, may, they may not be Doom, but yeah. uh, there's there's Weird, still a power. Weird World's an interesting aspect of Secret Wars, which we'll learn a lot more about. Okay, Tome of the Week. Uh, honorable mention for me for Cap and the Mighty Avengers. It was a really heartfelt uh, just beautiful book, but I got to go with Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies for my uh, twin. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention for me it was Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, but I'm going with Weird World. Yeah. Four good books there, guys, and uh, tons so many more to books, read. Yeah. So check them all out. Also check out this week collections on sale: Ant Man, Scott Lang, Deadpool by Posehn and Duggan, Volume Two, out in hardcover; Iron Man Volume Five, Rings of the Mandarin. Marvel Masterworks, The Fantastic Four, Volume 17. Wow. Good job, guys. Uh, hardcover. I'm saying good job to Stan and Jack. Uh, Marvel's Ant-Man Prelude, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, Volume 2, Revelations, Miss Marvel, Volume 3, Crushed, one of the best trades you can get, uh, Silver Surfer, Volume 2, Worlds Apart, Star Wars, The Original Marvel Heroes, Volume 2, Omnibus, Hardcover, and on the app this week, you can get everything we just talked about with the exception of Dark Tower and Avengers Assemble, but there's another issue of X-Men 92 out. Bam. Um, all right. On the app this week, we've got a bunch of Daredevil. Mm. Um, issues 185 through 191, 215 through 217, 219 through 222, and 225, as well as Daredevil, Love, and War, and What If number 28. I'm assuming assume d- it's a Daredevil story. No, I, I think the, it's the, the Frank Miller, Electra What If Electra yeah. Had Lived, which good. is Terrific. A lot of fun. Yes. Well, uh, not so much fun, but right. a what if story. But it's a really great issue. Yeah. Uh, and we've got collections on sale this week, including Ant-Man, Scott Lang, Daredevil, Wake Up! Wake Up! Uh, Marvel's Ant-Man Prelude, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 2 Revelations, Ms. Marvel Volume 3 Crushed, Secret Invasion in Humans, Shadowland, Thunderbolts, Silver Surfer Volume 2, Worlds Apart, War of Kings, Warriors. I edited that. Yeah. That's my book. <laughs> and World War Hulk Frontline. Over on Marvel Unlimited this week, freshly digitized, we've got Amazing X-Men number 14. We've got Avengers number 39. Avengers World number 16. Axis Carnage number 3. Deadpool's Art of War number 3. Death of Wolverine the Logan Legacy number 6. Guardians of the Galaxy Annual number 1. Nightcrawler number 9. Punish number 13. The most recent Uncanny X-Men Annual number 1. That was with the Andrea Sorrentino art story of Eva Bell. Rocket Raccoon number 6. Spider-Man and the X-Men number one. That's going to be my recommendation for under-the-radar pick you need to check out on Marvel Unlimited. Spider-Verse team-up number two. 
Thor number three, X Force number thirteen. How about how deftly I was like shifting papers and stuff you while did. I was reading that? Like, if I didn't tell you, you guys wouldn't even know unless yeah. it was really audible. It probably was. Shit, we have these great microphones. Yeah, these microphones are so good. All right, some news this week. Uh, really big comic stuff. Ryan, of course, was at Special Edition NYC where we made some big announcements. None bigger than the fact that Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez will be the creative team on Invincible Iron Man. This is the first of our all-new, all-different Marvel Universe that emerges from Secret Wars. I did an interview with Brian. We had a live chat with Brian and David and Tom Brevoort and Axel Alonso. Like I said, I'm going to be talking to David. So lots of information and great art. Uh, interesting stuff. I love chatting to Brian about it, as I know you did as well. He's really excited about this. And all new, all different Marvel is a thing. We got those teaser pieces out there. I'm sure we're going to get some questions about them. And all I can say is stay tuned because lots of good stuff coming. Over to games, Marvel Mighty Heroes started a new uh, a new event this week. It's Age of Ultron. It's based more on the comics version. A lot of people have said, like, oh, how's it tie in the movie? It does not tie in the movie. It's based on the comics Age of Ultron. Well, they started with a Taskmaster story, so obviously they're going to go in their own unique direction. Marvel Contest of Champions also added Ultron. And if you're playing Marvel Future Fight, which I've been doing like bonkers, you saw that the Guardians of the Galaxy are now available. Did you get any of them yet? I have Nebula, Ronan, and Drax so far. Jeez, I guess I just got Drax. <laughs> am on my way to uh, Star-Lord, hopefully. But it's pretty tough. It's, it's a challenging game, and there's a lot to do. And for you guys who dig Future Fight, uh, we have been working with the folks over at NetMarble to get you some more extensive coverage like how we do for the other games um and those talks have been going well i'm hoping by the end of this week we're actually have a cool interview up with some of the people who work at netmarble talking about how they brought this latest game to life and if you're playing marvel avengers alliance uh spider-verse spec op is live i put a dent in it yesterday because i don't want to run down to the wire like i did last time i want to get miles i want to get superior spider-man i want it all baby yes yeah um Let's see. I, I'm sure Mark and Patrick will talk about it, but yeah, if they don't, that'd be very negligent on their part. Uh, we announced that John Bernthal will play Frank Castle in season two of Marvel's <sighs> Daredevil on Netflix. The reaction to this was just like universally like, "Yep, that was it. That's yeah. the right call." And I mean, I I've seen him in a couple things. Uh, the thing I really liked him in was this. I told you it was this kind of under the radar, not really appreciated thing called Mob City, which was this. Uh, miniseries TNT did I don't know like a year and a half ago it was great he played just like this badass former soldier um, who becomes a, a, a just guy who's out to kind of mess with the mob so it was pretty perfect what? it was a per- pretty perfect thing and he was dynamite in it it was a period piece so I'm here to see how he does this but man people love this casting choice yeah uh, I have a I, I know what season two is all entailing like from every episode now and I am crazy excited Mm -hmm. for this for what the Frank Castle entails for every part of it it's going to be really really exciting Uh, so can't come soon enough I know but it's going to be it's going to have to it's not a little it's not this year not this year yeah so wait for it stay tuned hey you know what for our our friends on Netflix because you know they're our partners they're our buddies uh, we already talked about House of Cards we're being great partners to them yeah we are um New season of Orange is New Black is out this week. So oh. congratulations to you guys. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want to watch a good show on Netflix, that's one of the best. When is Wet Hot out? 
Wet Hot is not out till July. So we've got... We need it. Well, Orange is the New Black it was like... Because I think they have like one table no, release every month. Yeah, yeah. That was this month and next month. We will be talking all about Wet Hot, to yeah. be sure. Go Netflix. Yeah, go Netflix. Keeping it real. Um, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. And we'll kick it over to uh, Strami, Whoever's Wolfman, Whacker. Who knows? Who knows? Hello out there this week in Marvel. Welcome to another installment of What Up Wolfman, starring Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking there couldn't possibly be another installment of What Up Wolfman because the last installment a few weeks ago was so engaging and entertaining they, that What Up Wolfman would just have to take over the whole podcast. Well, we have that in the works, so... Prepare yourself for me to eventually just talk by myself for two hours uh, to make up for what Ben and Ryan talk about. But we're not at that point yet, just yet. So you've got just me, and I'm out here in Hollywood, California, to tell you what's new in Marvel movies and television. The big, huge, super exciting news that we announced earlier this week is that John Bernthal famous for The Walking Dead and Wolf of Wall Street and Fury will be playing Frank Castle, none other than The Punisher, in season two of Marvel's Daredevil. And that'll be coming only to Netflix in 2016. I think that is huge, super cool news. Uh, I've liked John Bernthal. He's been real intense, pretty scary in a lot of what I've seen. Um, I mean, not necessarily scary in Wolf of Wall Street. Although I do think he has a mustache at one point, which can creep some people out. But I just think he brings a real intense and uh, dynamic, sympathetic uh, characters to life in the, the work that I've seen him in. So not only is he great casting, but he, it's the Punisher. We get to see the Punisher in season two of Daredevil, Marvel's Daredevil. That's real cool, real exciting stuff. So... That's definitely some of the biggest news that uh, we had this week. But there was more news in Marvel Television. We announced that Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be returning Season 3 premiering on Tuesday, September 29th on ABC at 9 p.m. So mark your calendars that that's when you'll get to see brand new episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and see what's going on with your favorite agents. That's uh, that's about it for live action television. We did have some big uh, uh, TV, uh, excuse me, big movie news. And when I say big, I mean just in size. We uh, released a little teaser that tells you we are going to be screening six minutes of Marvel's Ant Man in IMAX theaters starting this Friday, June twelfth. It will the the six minute extended look will be uh, shown exclusively before 3D showings of Jurassic World. Uh, so that'll start this Friday, which is June 12th. Make sure you keep your eyes out for uh, IMAX 3D screenings of Jurassic World and get that bonus look at Marvel's Ant-Man. And don't forget, Marvel's Ant-Man opens on July 17th, 2015. That's really, that's coming up. That's only like six weeks from now. We also released a new TV spot that shows uh, that heroes don't get any bigger than Scott Lang. So we released that. Also, 
I'm recording this on Wednesday. All I'm saying is on Thursday, you might want to keep your eyes on Marvel Twitter handles. I don't want to say too much more, but if you're not following uh, Marvel, at Marvel on Twitter, or at Ant-Man, or at Captain America, at Iron Man, at Thor. Okay, I don't know Thor's off the top of my head, because I think it's Thor movie. Anyways, if you know what social media is, follow those Twitter accounts, uh, because we'll have some cool stuff going on on Thursday. Turning to the animated side of Marvel Television, we posted a full episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, which you can watch now on Marvel.com. It's actually a holiday episode where Peter Parker considers retiring because he just can't seem to make the public uh, happy. So he retires and has visions of what would happen were he to retire. And so that full episode is streaming now on Marvel.com. Also, there's going to be a new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash this Sunday at 8 a.m. featuring the Spirit of Vengeance. And if you stay tuned for just a few more moments, you'll get to hear myself talking to not Stephen Wacker, but Harrison Wilcox about that episode. So that just about does it for this installment of What Up Wolfman. Mark Strom will be back next week, and I'm going to break the news to him that I'm taking over the entire This Week in Marvel podcast. So if you see him between now and then, please don't spoil that news for him. Uh, And now I am going to toss things over to you, Wolfman. Thanks very much, Wolfman. This is Wolfman, a.k.a. Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, and I am joined by Harrison Wilcox. Supervising producer. You. Hulk's Agents of Smash. You. Something I've noticed right off the bat is that you are not Steve Wacker. No. People mistake me all the time for Steve. (laughs) Based on title, based on appearance, (laughs) based on name, all of those things, when you give them, people are like, oh, you're Steve Wacker. But uh, I've been chatting with Steve for quite a few weeks now, and listeners, Harrison is not Steve. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say on that. That is right. Uh, we're joined by Harrison this week as a very special guest. He just could not contain his excitement for talking about what's going to be happening this week in animation. I came in here to talk to Steve, and actually Harrison was hiding under a desk and sprung up, put a burlap sack over Steve's head, used some zip ties. If you hear any muffles coming from over in the corner uh that's all harrison's fault but that's just how excited he is or the sound of anyone getting kicked yeah yeah that's just this that's how excited how passionate harrison is to talk about what's going on in animation this week we have a brand new episode of marvel's hulk and the agents of smash what is it that you're so excited about for this week on hulk uh it's ghost rider who uh being a child of the 90s i'm a big fan of and right this is actually the first time we've animated ghost rider at our studio so oh this is the very first uh animated appearance it, at marvel animation studios yeah. yeah we were very excited the directors the writers everyone was super pumped to get the opportunity to tell a ghost rider story and uh this is it and well and so what is how does the how does because we just finished up that massive days of future smash right uh, five episode arc 
now things are maybe you'd think they'd cool off a little bit, but with Ghost Rider and his flaming skull, are things are up. only just heating up. Exactly. Uh, so this one, uh, this one starts with Hulk and the Smashers are transporting Abomination, Emil Blonsky, uh, in a shield transport vehicle through uh, the desert, and uh, Abom and Jen are behind the wheel, and they've decided to take a shortcut through Death Valley at night which in the Marvel Universe is not always the smartest play. No. So, I mean, just the name alone implies spookiness. Yes. And as you would expect, Ghost Rider shows up to uh, enact vengeance on wrongdoers. And in this case, he's after abomination for all the horrible things he's done over the course of two seasons. And, uh, and I'm sure that's it. I'm sure, I'm sure Ghost, it, Rider, yeah. Ghost Rider shows up wants to help the Hulks achieve their mission of safely transporting Abomination and all of the Hulks, sure. I'm sure, make it out scot-free, correct? There's a couple flaming high-fives and thank-you-very-muches. and <laughs> Some handshakes. Job little, well done. Pat on the back, on your way. Yeah, job well Enjoy. done, everybody. Uh, no, unfortunately uh, for Ghost Rider and for the Hulks, they, uh, the Hulks decide that they can't just let uh, even their worst enemy be dragged off in chains into the, into the night. Oh, really? So they, uh, they put themselves between Ghost Rider and Abomination, and uh, it turns out that uh, Red Hulk actually has more uh, stuff that he needs to atone for than uh, even Abomination. Really? All the stuff he did, you know, chasing the Hulk before the series started, sort of the classic Marvel canon. He actually is responsible for creating Abomination, so everything that Abomination did in some respect is Red Hulk's fault, and then Red Hulk becoming, you know, General Ross becoming a a Hulk himself. So uh, Ghost Rider quickly turns his attention from Abomination to Red Hulk, and now the Hulks really uh, have to step in to save their, you know, save their their friend and one of their one of their. Oh, that's right, Hulk. One of Red Hulk, one of their comrades. They must they must save. Yeah, and and. Uh, Ghost Rider literally tries to drag uh, Red Hulk to hell. Oh, boy. Uh, And anything, uh, as readers know, anything that uh, Ghost Rider, uh, any vehicle he touches or takes control of, becomes sort of a demon vehicle. So he goes from uh, his bike to a car to a uh, military train, and it becomes his ghost train that he is using to drag Red Hulk uh, to vengeance. Real dark, real dark episode. It's dark, but you know we always find the, th- the sort of funny moments in it with Hulk. Yeah, uh, but definitely the stakes are as high as they can possibly go for for Red Hulk. And uh, wh- what was it like finally being able to uh, design Ghost Rider, the the animated version for Disney XD? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It, at first, we were we were actually a little concerned because. Ghost Rider works really well on the page, but when you actually have to deal with uh, lip flap, when there's a, <laughs> s- a skull right. that doesn't have lips, it's just kind of open or closed. It, it was, yeah, it was. It was. I was a little worried, but uh, Mitch Shower, the supervising director, um, really uh, made it work when all the effects were on there and the flame and uh, the the uh, the layers they put on the on the voice. It really. It really came alive. To, to give him a more hellish voice. Yeah. Uh, 
Fred Fred Tatashore did the voice for for Ghost Rider, which he's actually done before. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll leave that to the fans to try to <laughs> to Google it. You you guys that. can figure yeah. that out. You could just <laughs> go on the net. We just don't want to talk about it here because Steve is starting to loosen his binds yeah. over there. <laughs> so we should really uh, start to wrap things up. But that's uh it's very exciting. That's going to be this Sunday at eight a.m. On Disney XD, that brand new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. So, Harrison, I'd like to thank you for stopping by and spending some time with us. Thank you, Patrick. And make sure to cartoon in this Sunday to Disney XD. All right. Wow. So much going on. Over yeah, there. man. How did they fit it all into that that tiny segment we give them? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, time for this week in Marvel questions and comments. Just making a note. Um, that next week we would normally be doing our twim urc of warlock stuff we will not be doing it next week because i'm going to be in los angeles for e3 so keep sending those questions and comments me and whoever else are here next week we'll get to them yes um and we'll dive into what we got now uh just first up agent twim twim fan uh you didn't tag most of your questions correctly, so we're not talking about them this week. You just started throwing uh, Warlock stuff into the This Week in Marvel feed, and that doesn't fly. Tag him with TwimURC, please, so we can talk about him on the appropriate episode. But he does have some other stuff in here. He says, My Wolverine Lord of the Vampires reference two weeks ago was towards the Doctor Strange Ghost and Punisher combo. I, it was two weeks ago, so that means I don't remember it. Yep. Uh, he has a picture here. He says, this was my favorite cosplay at Dallas Comic-Con. <laughs> he called himself Squirrel Earl. That's great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, Would that be crossplay? Is that a thing? Yes. Oh. Crossplay is cosplay when you uh, a male dresses up as a female character or a female dresses up as a male character. I just call it cosplay. Well, respect the art. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Agent Twim says you guys should lay off of people using Lady Thor type names we realize that isn't her name but it's obviously confusing nope we're gonna we're you gonna get, you we're get not the full weight of our wrath <laughs> if you call her Lady Thor yeah it's not quite wrath um, he says uh, this week in Marvel Spider-Gwen's name isn't that but we use it to distinguish between different similar characters so she's saying calling Spider-Gwen Spider-Gwen is the same as calling Lady Thor Lady Thor but Spider-Gwen is the name of the book yeah I mean, there's, like, a very specific... Shaky ground, Twim fan. Yeah. Shaky ground. Yes. Issue... Oh, keep going. He says, issue one of Beyond, Craven the Hunter calls the hood Smokey McChimney. I'm hooked. Beyond. Beyond is the book that Dwayne Dwayne McDuffie and Scott Collins did. It is awesome. Yes. That is a future uh, Twim URC waiting to happen. For sure. Uh, He says, Space Phantom turned into this and Beyond. Have we seen that creature before or since? Don't recognize. Zemnu the Titan, baby. We've seen Zenmu in All a number place. of things, and you can actually see a recent. I don't know if it's Zenmu specifically, but it could be of his race in yeah. Rocket Raccoon. Yep. Um, I don't know if it was Zenmu or not. Yeah, and it was in uh, Jeff Loeb and McGinnis's run on Hulk, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, he was in a couple of the Annihilation books. Yep. Uh, he's been yeah. around. He's been around. Yep. Oh, and then he follows up. Apparently, it's Zenmu the Titan and has fought the Hulk. There you go. So great. Yep. We answered it, and then you answered it. Yep. Teamwork. Hmm. Uh, he says, I've concluded that uh, Gauntlet is better after Deadpool because you already like Shikla, which I didn't the first time I read it. I feel like this is very stream of consciousness, Twim fan. I feel like you're responding to things that well, we're and, not seeing. And then he says, that tweet is why Twitter sucks. Can't do anything with 140 characters. Hmm. I think everybody else has a pretty 
fair time doing stuff. It. He says, uh, and then he follows up again. Deadpool the Gauntlet is amazing, which I agree with. I think he's just reading a bunch of stuff and giving us his thoughts, which, which is great. fine. That's, that's, what that's what it's why for. We're, we want it. That's what it's for. All right, Ash Rodriguez. Love listening to him in Australia, combining two of my four favorite things, comics and wrestling. Thanks for being spoiler free. Spoiler free. Yes. I want to know what the other two things are. Oh, yeah. Two. Yeah, two what are four. the other two? Uh, Ash, tell us also, next time you write in, uh, what is the proper way to eat Vegemite? Because when I was in Australia, I just tried to eat it, and that was that did not, not go well you for just me. just put it on, like, sandwiches and stuff. No, but it's you, like a spread. You're supposed, from what I'm told, mm-hmm. someone said, you know, use it with some butter, and Ooh, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I, I did not do it right. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, ben Rimley, who is from our favorite place, Toronto, Ontario. Uh, just listened to episode 50, and Blake Garris is a goddamn hero. <laughs> what I, don't know what was was epi- I don't know what 50 what was. What was 50? I don't know what 50 was, but I don't know how. I'd, Blake must have done something amazing. Yeah. All right. The tomb of the week is an impossible tie between Secret Wars 3 and Renew Your Vows 1. Hashtag Doom's Face. Oh, man. Uh, new Warriors plus Avengers equal win. That old Nova costume is win two. Hashtag RIP Night Thrasher. It was pretty cool for me getting to see Adam Kubert draw Nova, even for a panel. Draw all the New Warriors. That was neat. Took me back to a simpler time. Yes. Uh, Cade Bengert from Wateskin, Alberta. We love our Canadian. Canada. Canadian Canada. contingent. Can't get over the art in all new Hawkeye. The two styles blend so well. Love it. And that's Ramon Perez doing both styles. Which is bananas. He's so good. All the Secret Wars tie-ins are amazing. Honestly, there are usually some event tie-ins I'm not crazy about. Not this time. Thank you, Cade. Just, just you wait, Cade. We've got 20 more. You'll find something you don't like. Just kidding. They're all great. Uh, that cover of Secret Wars 2099 is amazing. Dave Raposa kills it. I didn't even know who Dave Raposa was. We haven't credited the cover artist to Secret Wars 2099. Mm, Those are great mm, covers. Mm. So thanks for pointing that out, Cade. Uh, all right. Chris Vaughn oh boy. jumps in and says, So is the Bone Zone going to be another area on Battle World? Oh, that hashtag is too much. It's a great hashtag. <laughs> it though. is a great one. Um, uh, we're under negotiation. Yeah. I think uh, the Bone Zone, I like to think of it as being a small neighborhood in Killville <laughs> yes. like that Modoc just lets you have yeah oh man One hundred. all our skeleton themed characters are yes. there oh so great maybe uh, Taskmaster runs it <laughs> I don't know uh, Chris Vaughn says we need an area where Marvel zombies fight Deathlock that's a pretty great idea that's cool that's a pretty great idea yeah this next idea is even better this is the best idea how come no domain for Executioner Song with Strife is the Baron I guess X-Men 92 is the closest but it's I not mean, it's not it's not nothing will ever how was there no Executioner Song domain that and Forever Yesterday oh in a year when we do the like Secret Wars what ifs those are the ones we have to stump for yes. which is I don't know how we're going to do that <laughs> we're basically like what if we publish an Executioner's song series during Secret Wars yes uh, Cole Sorota says just curious why announce stuff so early don't the all new Marvel character lineups kind of spoil some of Secret Wars the business answer here is because we need to start helping people you know do orders and figure out what they're doing in a few months the story reason is there is no story reason but to say that the character lineups we have shown, believe me, do not get into the deep and abiding changes and surprises coming in Secret Wars. Just showing that, I mean, I, if anyone was blown away by the fact that we're going to be doing an Iron Man comic after Secret Wars, then I, I, we can give you a lesson and, you know. Yeah, and Everything. just because we showed those characters doesn't say anything sure. about what context sure. they are. Yeah. They appear. So there's a, there's a lot. I get it. It's it's. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's yeah, we got it. We got to. 
keep moving, man. It's uh, yeah. The way that the industry works is that uh, retailers have to order months yeah. ahead of time. Sight unseen, they don't get to. It's a tough situation because they sure. don't get to see products. So we're trying our best to show them, hey, these are great, th big things that we want you to get behind, get excited for, because we know your customers and our fans are going to be into. Yeah, I mean, real deal. It's a different industry, even from when we were younger, and it was basically like you know, you just bought the books based on the name or that's from Marvel or whatever. Um, that was when you know, Sleepwalker sold millions of copies, so you could basically just drive, order everything. Now it's a different world. Um, I think you know. In a perfect world, I know, having talked to Breboard extensively about it and having talked to you about it, we would love to go back to the way where there's like, you don't get solicits and everything's a yeah. surprise. But it's the world we live in. We're making the best of it. Yes. Dan Ronan says, uh, are the OG OGNs taking place in what was the Thanos ones, the Marvel Universe uh, or elsewhere? Curious about Warlock's current status. The answer on this one, I'm sorry, it's kind of a cop out, is just don't really think too much about it. Jim Starlin is kind of getting to do his own thing and whether where it fits in what realm of the Marvel multiverse is really not that important. I would say just read those stories and enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're digging them mm -hmm. because they're awesome and fun, then that's all that really matters. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough, yes. But it's, it's basically, the answer here is wanting to let Jim tell these stories he has, he's a legend, he's a genius, and not wanting to put constraints on him also means they don't fit neatly like a glove into everything else we're doing, which I think is great. I mean, let Jim Starlin do what Jim Starlin does. Yeah. And probably you will see some of the stuff from the OGN's impact where it fits and some stuff maybe you'll be off to the side. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay, Daniel Willis. Uh, this week in Marvel shan't be the same without you. Intern Alex. Long gone. Oh yeah, he never used forgotten. To be here, right? Never forgotten. Right. Except by Ryan. Uh, Darlington Okoye. Marvel fans over here in Abuja, Nigeria are really starving for comic Whoa. books. Oh, that's so cool. Online comic books are good and all, but nothing beats the feel and smell of a hard copy in your hands. Hashtag just saying. I hope you guys get some comic books over there. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I, uh, it's not really anything know. we I, can do, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, Hopefully there's a way to order them online and get them sent to you. Yeah, I don't nice. know. I agree, though. There's there's something about oh, yeah. the hard copy. Drew Hamilton, X-Men 92 was better than I could have hoped for. Really hope it continues post-Secret Wars. And $2 is the right price for Infinite Comics to me. $3 used to keep me away. $1 difference really adds up. Good to know. Hope we can keep that uh, we can keep that doing it. Thanks, Drew. Yeah. Uh, Phil Schulp says, He-Man was created by Skeletor. Uh, eBay, this is, this Netflix. was a comedian that uh, Blake spoke with. Oh, eBay, this Netflix killed on the last point, this week. This is a point five. I don't know what's going on there. All right, Haywood says uh, last week his twin was Uncanny Avengers Ultron Forever. So good. Uh, we finally see how each piece fits, each piece fits into the weird group. Uh, he says the following week, uh, last week well, his twin was Giant Size Marvel a, uh, Avengers versus X Men. Just pure fun and joy from Scotty Young. There it is. Jim Radloff, so in the aftermath of Secret Wars, will the main continuity still be called 616, or will it get a new name? Uh, hopefully it'll never be called 616 again. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I hear rumblings that post-Secret Wars, uh, we'll try to come up with a some sort of name I, that's not 616. Can we just call it the Marvel, Marvel Universe? Universe? I think, I think that works for me. That's kind of what we're leaning towards. <laughs> Um, Johnny Vinyl, thanks for letting me know Jason Manzukis was still in The Dictator. You saw through my reindeer games. Hashtag his name is Rudy. I love Sorry, everything this is, about this. This is more of the 
in-jokes between you and Johnny Vinyl. Why aren't you listening to How Did This Get Made? You would understand it, too. I listen. Oh, my God. You love podcasts. I do love podcasts. They do an episode on No Holds Barred. Oh. I was shaking. Okay. I was laughing so hard. I was on the train, and I was like... I couldn't. I you, couldn't. You know me. Myself. Eventually, I do things you ask me to do. I'm like three quarters of the way through Ready Player One now. That took a while to get me to do that. So I will eventually listen to this podcast. Okay. Yes. Happy. You will love it. Thank you. It will change your life. I'm sure. Uh, Kelly Hawkeye says the next wave. Next wave series has me cracking up. Like many, I had never heard of Next Wave, but all the hype on episode 181, I had to read it. It's fantastic, and Warren Ellis is a comedic genius. Can't wait to finish it. And then she posts a panel. Of our boy Dark Anger, and then some of the splash pages saying I want posters to frame and out on my wall, and that's that's all the next wave stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Listening to old episodes of this week of Marvel, I gotta say I love the way Strami says Spider Man. Spider Man totally drops the D completely. Then a bunch of emoticons sounds like somebody has a crush. Yes, uh, yeah, we someone. There was, like, flack we got for the way Strami says stuff from someone. And then we see this, and I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Strami is the best. People love it. Yeah. Uh, is there somewhere I can listen to this week Marvel Podcast Live? That would be cool. Listen to us, like, right now as we're recording, but oh not, at, not at this time. Not at this time. Not at this time. I do. I am uh, having conversations about another way to get your This Week in Marvel fix. Dun-dun-dun. Mystery. I don't, I, I don't know what these are. I'm just talented. Yes. Karen Doherty says, Cesaro needs a title push like now. He's freaking amazing. Wrestling time. Wrestling time. Does Cesaro need a title push like now? I don't know. I don't know. See, that's, I kind of. What title do you put him? Well, that's the thing is like, I love Cesaro. I think he's amazing. But I, and I know Tyson's injured, unfortunately. Um, But I love him and Tyson together. And I kind of, here's my thing about wrestling is I'm a big fan of things happening when they organically happen. And, like, that's what I've been saying a lot with Roman Reigns is this is why I feel like Roman Reigns needs to turn heel. Because if Roman Reigns turns heel, comes a badass heel. I know everyone's saying, like, no, but they can rehab him and they can make him and he can do this. Yes, you can. But how much better will it be if Roman Reigns turns heel and then the fans decide when they want him to be babyface? Just like they did with The Rock. And that's why The Rock was so big. Same thing with Cesaro. There was a time when the fans wanted him to be, like, world champion. And I would have loved if they had just gone with it. They didn't. And now he's in this place where it's like he's, you know, he's one half an awesome tag team. I do think there will be a time when the fans will love Cesaro so much again. I think they do now, but I think there will be a time where there's a logical place for him to be a singles champion and get a good push. Uh, there was one already. Didn't work out. I think it'll get back there. I just because he's awesome, though. It's like it's not like everyone who's awesome at all times should be getting a push towards the world title. You got to spread them out. And I would rather they be patient. It's not like something like he's bringing up a, like Zack Ryder, who they didn't push him when he was hot, and the thought was like, oh, well, he can get back over again, and it really did. That's not Cesaro. Cesaro will get back over again. Anyways, that was my ramble. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Karen says, I think renew your vows come from Pete renewing his with great power vow in favor of his family. That's cool. That's a neat mm-hmm. twist on it. I like that. Uh, he said, Peter David has been one of my favorite writers for so long. Future Imperfect was brilliant. Peter's someone who's just as good now. No, he's better now than he was uh, when he was killing it. 
in the in the 80s and 90s. Yes. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Kieran calls out our uh, desire for a hippos team. He says, the hungry, hungry hippos. Ooh. Please tell me this potential hippo team will be called that since uh, they need to eat, need a lot. eat a lot. It's uh, true. But I don't think we have the uh, the rights to the name hungry, hungry, hungry hippos. hippos. I don't know. They might be out in the public domain somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> uh, he says, intern Alec. Yes, correct spelling. Sounds like he's made for podcasting. I got to say, man, I was when he when he did his bit the first week. I was like, this this kid knows how to knows how to speak on the radio. Yep, he can uh, talk at a microphone. A natural. Maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll do more next week. We'll see. Mm. Uh, Lance Presley says, "Renew your vows." World is the Regency ruled by Regent, the main villain. Try again, Fancy Dan. I like to think that he's uh, calling you Fancy Dan. Uh, in this no. instance and calling you out for something you said but think about it in your heart you really want fancy dan in charge oh yeah oh yeah mark mcdonough how is it possible that the mighty ryan segment is not twitter verified <laughs> yes i'm weeks behind yes, on this week yes, in marvel yes. would you like to update us on this situation uh he's not verified yet oh it's so great uh, i actually had this conversation with someone at special edition of how upset that makes ryan keep I making ryan upset guys keep reminding him he's not verified so good Ollie watched Ryan's next issues preview on Periscope. The silk arc didn't work for me. Is there a particular style for you? Interesting. I love the style on silk, but I love manga and like fun, poppy, yeah. animated type art. So that's just me. Um, I don't really know that I have a style. I like I like what I like. I what like. I like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think if there was one I subscribe to, I'm definitely a classic superhero guy. A George Perez, Mark Bagley type like those are the ones that appeal to me most but i can definitely appreciate like looking at like mike del mundo which is nothing like that right but it's brilliant or alex maleev who does you know the noir stuff so you know good art's good art but yeah is there preferred style like sure there's stuff i like yeah like others you know what thinking about it i probably would say a almost european super detailed Mm, style like mobius Or Ladron, or uh, you know Frank Quietly, yep. or Ramon Villalobos, or like you know when you see that, to me that's just that's my jam probably. I can't say uh, Ladron like you do. That Ladron, really, that was really good. Thank you. Ryan is a, Ryan is a Latino. Latino. Raph, AB, I'll, I'll cycle through these. Can we have a Batroc the Leaper comics illustrated by Paul Renaud, colored by Jean Francois Bellieu? Hashtag French combo. That would be the bomb. The French bomb. Legit. Le- legit. Um, can we get Nick Lowe to put into music the theme song from Scotty Young's Giant Size Little Marvel? I think we have to, right? I asked him about that. What he he didn't come up with it. Nick yeah. Nick helped out with it, but it, I think he said either Scotty or Devin or somebody came oh, up I, with it. I feel like Nick's probably taking credit for a lot of things he didn't come up with over the years, <laughs> and he's just now like fatherhood is uh, softening him and making him more Fair. honest. Um, Serial Wars number three raises so much questions, especially with Ultimate if you had to cast Sean Bean for a role in the MCU, who would you play? Uncle Ben, Wonder Man, hashtag dies every time. Wonder Man was already my answer yeah, before I, I saw the rest totally, of the question. Totally, 100%. Yeah, I, I don't care if he's British. I don't care if he's a little too old for the part. He is Wonder Man or Jean Grey. Um, but I maintain Jean Grey has not died that many times. Wonder Man has definitely died more times than Jean Grey. Oh, so, so Wonder Man. Um, or Hawkeye and a Brian Michael Bendis written, written Hawkeye movie because yeah. he would definitely die. Uh, two. Oh, here's what it is. Yeah, Scotty Young's answer about the theme song of Giant Size Little Marble said, "Hmm, maybe not Bick, which I assume is Nick, but Charles, Charles Beecham might have a little something coming your way." Yeah, so it's so Charles, Charles, not Devin. It. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, right on. After seeing the new Jaguar commercial, or 
Jaguar. 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 Um, I can't stop wondering if Loki ever managed to get Hank McCoy to work for him. Is that a reference to? Uh, Is there a Tom Hiddleston, uh, Nicholas Holt commercial out there? They both have Jaguar commercials. Oh, very nice. I believe. Two of my favorite British uh, actors, so that's great. How many times did Agent M play the Dance Bendis dance video during the Bendis panel at Special Edition? Zero, because I like Brian, and I... He hates it so much. Dude, I used it in the chat the other day. Oh. I'll use it every time. I don't care. Perfect. I don't care about his feelings. Uh, Dr. Spidey, since Secret Wars has a Game of Thrones vibe, I expect to see Bone Zone scenes in the comics. What does Game of Thrones have to do with Bone Zone? Do they say it on the show? No, but I, every episode has someone yeah, no, going to the Bone I know they have zone. a lot of, yes, relations. Um, I also like that, yeah, we're not shying away from the fact that like the shield and all that is blatantly the same stuff as game of thrones it all it, it's a, i mean it's but it's like classic storytelling yeah. too it's like the the kingdoms and heroes sure. and all this other hey man, stuff. i'm just being real that like you know we've it, it's not like we ripped it off from game of thrones but every time anyone has said like oh this is kind of like game of thrones like karen gillen's been like yeah we thought that was cool yeah like and game of thrones nice, is like x y and z yeah. and it's like it's yeah, all I mean, you're awesome. trying you're trying to defend here i'm just i'm just like selling out <laughs> copying out and throwing right. karen under the bus um so, Andre Rojo put a Dragon Ball reference in Spider-Verse number two. Cool. Hashtag Capsule Core. Yes, I saw that. I loved it. Hashtag Matt Murder, Ro- Murder Doc. Uh, bunch of all hashtags. Daredevil, Spider-Gwen, letting Jason Latour know. That was a cool nickname. Yeah. Ultimate End gets me wondering, the hell is happening? That is how Bendis <laughs> would write it. He always admits what. It's always just the hell. Um, how many times did Brian Bendis kill Hawkeye already? I'm counting three. Avengers disassembled House of M and Ultimate End. I think that is the that is the uh, the big three, the hat trick, if you will. Uh, Raph Michelangelo says, uh, "Special edition, sitting in the rain. This dedication this week in Marvel. I don't know. That's some poetry, and I like it. So there thank it you, uh, Ricky Williams. Ricky our Williams boy. taking time off from NFL training camp. <laughs> says, don't know which I like more." Uh, reading after listening and you guys hype me up or reading before so I can follow along and agreeing. Speaking of hype, did you watch last night's NXT? I haven't seen it yet. Well, let me tell you something. In the opening matchup... <laughs> Wait, we don't get hyped. We stay hyped? Someone may be out to help do that. He <laughs> is back. He looks like he's slimmed down. Oh. Uh, but the best part of we're talking about Mojo Raleigh being back is that our close personal friend and uh, friend of the podcast, Corey Graves, has immediately established a like Jesse Ventura, Jim Duggan vibe. Because you know Jesse Ventura just used to have like guys like Duggan who he just picked on. Yes. And you yes. know how Corey does that? Like he does it with Becky Lynch, he does it with Enzo Amore. He did it like times a hundred with Mojo. I'm like, this is the perfect combination. I keep like I'll randomly text Corey that he has to be more Jesse Ventura. On He's some he, of these. he. I love is, it, man. love it, love it, love it. I, I'm gonna actually give a shout out to Corey because I watched all the NXT last night before bed. Um, this may have been my favorite hour of Corey Graves' commentary to date. He's he was so good. on point last night can't wait so to watch he was excellent he just like the digs at byron saxton were great oh. the calling the match is great uh giving respect to becky lynch and still making fun of her outfit was great just good job Corey. love it all right back to ricky yeah <laughs> he says uh all the tweets about the podcast sound like a long time ago i decided all other podcasts are just too loud mm-hmm. okay uh, 181bomb.com reference. Wife says that all the time while everyone is like, what? Lowell might have to play the podcast for her. Do you know what that is? The bomb.com? Yeah. It's from Total Divas. There you go, buddy. Yeah. 
He uh, says, uh, reading Infinity Gauntlet, uh, Marvel delights me. Check Doom's speech bubble. Seems like foreshadowing of current situation. How did I read that perfectly? That, I was that just, was just going to compliment you. You get Ricky's shorthand like crazy. It's so good. I'm not going to talk about this panel. We're just going to move on. Yeah. Okay, Ross Meyer. I understand that Vibranium is from Wakanda and is in Captain's America's shield, and Adamantium is in Wolverine's claws and body. But besides that, how do they differ? They seem the same. A fictional metal in the MU that's indestructible. Good question. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, like, really specific chemical properties, like vibranium can repel stuff better, hence why it's the main component of, of Cap Shield. Uh, adamantium is more unbreakable, hence why Wolverine's bones would be unbreakable, where he's, we've seen Cap Shield, like, snapped in half. So they're both nigh indestructible, but vibranium is more of a deflection metal, while adamantium is more just, like, tough, can't snap it metal. Yeah. So good, that's some good amateur science there. Um... More from Ross Meyer. Daredevil is badass. First issue, last panel is great. So any word on the issues missing in MU for Daredevil? I don't know what issue of Daredevil he's talking about. Are you talking about Born Again? Are you talking about first? Anyways, we added a bunch of Daredevil issues to the app this week, which if they're on the app, it usually means they're also coming to MU. So we're definitely filling in Daredevil. Uh, here it is. I'm a big Daredevil fan. I must say this Miller run is amazing. First time reading it, so dark. So Matt Murdock started with red hair, then blonde, then red. What's the deal here? Uh, a lot of times in old comics, because the coloring process was not the refined you know, machine it was now, things would just be different from issue to issue until they'd settle down and decide what it was. So he was probably, he's probably colored blonde a couple times because you know, it, was a, it, was, it was the coloring equivalent of a typo, and he was always meant to have red hair. So much for open communication, Kingpin. Hashtag Kingpin badass. And it's a Frank Miller pin uh, thing of the Kingpin. Going to special edition. Will Benji Morrison, Agent M, being there? Looking forward to it. You were there. I was there. Hopefully you saw him. Hello. Off in the distance. Hi. Uh, and then a quote from Secret Wars number three. It's easy to explain, Reed. He's very good at playing God. So awesome. That was an awesome Doctor Strange quote. Yeah. Scott McElroy says, <laughs> uh, man, hasn't Alex Lopez graduated yet? Definitely the This Week in Marvel intern with the most staying power. Has somebody checked and verified that he's <laughs> not doing the same thing that Dan Slott did when he wow. was a Marvel intern? Well, he's gone now. Yeah. So if he was trying to, he failed. But uh, no, Alex has graduated and is uh, out there looking for work. Yes. If you guys have anything for him. Yep. Uh, question. Do all realms in Battleworld have walls around them, separating them from other regions? Mm. These are the things that keep me up at night. That's a good question. I mean, there's barriers. I think they're all different, though. Like, some might be walls. Some might be sharks. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, he says, going to put House of Hem in my orthodontic office. Oh, I love this. So street. that a young Ben J. Morris 2.0 can read it throughout his two years of treatment. Hashtag circle of life. Hashtag Marvel This, show. Yeah, this, Dr. Spidey, this was like my favorite tweet of the, the month. Yes. I am thrilled that you're doing it. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, Scott says, question, do you think in Secret Wars we'll see Doom and Sue Richards finally go into the bone zone? Oh, wait, I forgot. Mm. You guys don't do spoilers. Hashtag callback. I just like that you said, finally. Like, this is something people have been waiting years for. Like, when are Doom and Sue finally going to do it? Like, I've never thought that. Ever. And I'm disgusted. <laughs> Scott McElroy, who I was just so happy with a second ago. All right, Sean McKenzie, take us home. Ultron and Vision... Robo Roomies, Marvel Superheroes, What the Episode 41. Great. Now I need to go watch Episodes 1 through 40. Hilarious. Modoc with lipstick. I'm very lonely. I was sure that voice was Nick Lowe. It was actually Jesse Falcon. Yeah. But, yeah, man. Uh, what this pretty good. We, we you should like wa- it. You should watch all of it. Yep. And now uh, 
the tech lord to really bring us home because I didn't realize we had a couple more. <laughs> Since I use a container for all our candy, I want a label. Now Squirrel Girl has a nemesis. Yeah. Who is it? That is Sugar Man. Oh, yeah, Sugar Man, of course. <laughs> so That's good. great. That's great. And finally, and I realized I hit post that I sent image to a podcast, but you guys enjoyed the last one I wanted to share. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. Thank Ryan, you so much. Ryan's getting up and walking around. I think he's tired, so we're going to send this one home. Uh, guys, keep tweeting us with This Week in Marvel questions and comments for next week. I will be here. I'm not sure who will be with me, but certainly somebody. A mystery. Yeah, a mystery, if you will. All uh, right. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>